0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sunscrap Nation's podcast. Today is going to be Wednesday, July 22nd, 2020, Charlotte, North Carolina. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas, back at it again. Um, here to break down UFC fight night, Till versus Robert Whitaker. Well, I guess Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till um today's actually tuesday i'm recording it early for you but you guys won't get it till tomorrow morning so first thing tomorrow morning this will be out or i mean as you wake up this is coming out um so we're going to talk a little bit about news what's going on uh in mma any any announcements so far on top of that what we're going to talk about is basically just breaking down the card. There's a lot going on in the main card. We got the return of Alexander Gustafson, you know, after saying he was retired to heavyweight. Um, and then, other than that, a quick turnaround for Kazmat, uh, Kamzat, Kamzat- Kimev. Uh He fought on last weekend's card. And other than that, uh I think, uh, uh, yeah, Mauricio Shogunhua versus Antonio Rodrigo Noguera. Rodrigo Noguera, uh, Little Nog. I, they fought before. Blanket on the win. Anyway, we are going to go over all that and break it down for you. He, lo- uh, he lost in decision, so this will be fun fucking 20 or 15 years later. Uh okay. So, let's get into some news as far as things that have been going on, Dana White's giving Khabib as much time as he needs, no rush to fight. Obviously, Khabib's father passed away, condolences to their team. I've uh talked about that earlier. It's sad. It's one of the <clears throat> one of the like one of the biggest guys in MMA as far as figures that are, are not fighting, right? Everyone knows who Khabib's dad is. Khabib's dad is not. Like, we in the States, we don't. We feel it a little bit because, you know, he's a major part of Khabib's life, and we've seen him and through that. But you got to understand, in Dagestan, they are mourning. That man has done so much for that community as far as build a team. I don't know if you've ever seen Eagle MMA, but. It's bigger than any MMA. It's about the size. It's definitely bigger than ATT. Uh, It's been around longer than ATT. He's uh, whatever he's done for his community. um, That's why the whole idea of like money for Khabib never really crossed his mind. They've made it, Um, and his dad's one of those guys. His dad, world combo or worlds combat sambo coach, um, and a bunch of other stuff. So he will be missed. And yeah, definitely don't. I get it, like, there's no rush, but the death of a father is sad, it is, it's really sad. But you you can't hold up a whole division because of that, right? No rush. Yeah, I get it, it, it just happened, I understand. But at a point you have to, like, put the pants on. And fight for your father. Um, and I, I was just looking at something in MMA, on MMA fighting, actually. It was their morning report, so a lot of the news that I get. With this show, what I pretty much do is I look at all the news, and then I kind of give you the highlights. So then you don't have to go look at that news or go read Um if you want to listen to things, go listen to things. I'm not saying don't go look at these websites because they've got cool links and videos and stuff like that, but if you don't want to go read things, I'll do it for you. I have a college degree; I'll use it to, <laughs> to read to you guys. Uh, okay. So that being said, uh yeah. So when it comes to like you've got a family to support, you got things to do. Like I get the death of a father, and you know being real sensitive for fighters, it seems odd to me. It seems very odd to me. I was just, like I said, I was just on this, uh, and I looked at a tweet going back and forth, and it was a video that Dan Hardy put on his breakdown the other day, and it was about Paula Costa. It's about Darren Till, Robert Whittaker, the breaking, breaking down the fight and saying that Paula Costa, the part that Paula got angry and retweeted and was like, who is that gay? Which, if you guys are going to be offended at what Dan Hardy says, like you got to equally be offended at what Paula Costa said, right, if you're in that PC world. But Dan Hardy, all he pretty much said was these guys, Robert Whitaker, Darren Till, and Israel Adesanya. Uh, I want to get the words correctly that he was like upset about. Uh, he was uh, so crying. Uh, I, I think all three of these guys have got the skills and ability to make Paula Costa look like a power lifter, which is what he is compared to these mixed martial artists. Now, I watched the whole video. He does say that part at the very end. Is the analogy wrong? No, because Dan Hardy goes on to explain, Paul was a power lifter that turned fighter. And I love to, I love to categorize fighters into three different things you got fighters, competitors, and martial artists. There's nothing wrong with all three of them. You can be two of the three. You can be all three. You can be one of the three. It doesn't mean you're any less. It's just the fact. Paula Costa was an athlete. He was a powerlifter. He was. That took up fighting, turned out to be good at it. Makes money off of it now. And now he uses the physique because when you talk about Paulo Costa, you talk about the fact that he looks like a superhero on top of the fact that he can also punch and kick. Technically, is he great? No, he just picked this up. It's not new to him, no. But comparative to Israel Adesanya, martial artist. Robert Whitaker, martial artist. And Darren Till, martial artist. Yes, it looks It it looks fresh it looks raw that's part of the reason why we like watching him he just breaks people down he pressures them because he's a tank he can take shots and give them but when he throws kicks you can see his balance is all fucked you can see his you know his punching is like overreaching it's showing feints but it doesn't matter not saying it doesn't work but everyone, you should see these comments. They're like, oh, Dan Hardy, how could you be so mean about this? Like, how could you How could you put a fighter down like this? Like, fuck you. You're in the sport of fighting. Like, it's not, if you're a fan of it, why are you so fucking sensitive? Like, why are you, I don't understand why people are so sensitive all of a sudden. You're fighting. Okay, he doesn't have the greatest technique. He's still number one contender in fighting for the title. Is that not good enough for you? And then if you want to be sensitive about it, Paul Acosta just said something homo- uh, <clears throat> homophobic. <clears throat> I, I don't know what you want. Dan Hardy is making a valid comparison. Is he trying to spice it up and put a little bit of, you know, maybe sarcasm or whatever, just a little bit to make it like, yeah, he can sit there and talk to you in detail and make it sound very, very analytical and not fun to listen to. He's trying to do it for you, the lay person, the person that's going, oh, Paula Costa's more than that. He's not. Sorry. He's a fighter. I don't know what you're trying to look for. And then they put this video. It's like, yeah, but what about the pressuring? Like, watch this video of Paula Costa, the genius of his pressuring. No. It looks like a guy that got a game plan from a high-level coach and implements it because he's athletically gifted to. Not gifted. He, I mean, he worked out to get to that point. But... He did it, and he works out these game plans, but it's raw. I just watched Darren Till versus Kevin Gaslam. It's not the most exciting fight, obviously, but if you're in that lane that says it's not exciting and it's a boring fight to watch, then you don't understand the technicality of striking because what Darren Till did there was a martial art. It was so technical, and that's how he won. Anytime Kelvin Gaslam, and we can go ahead and break it down, <clears throat> Anytime Kelvin Gastelum would try to initiate a big strike, he would stifle the, and smother the strikes by initiating the clench. Anytime he initiated the clench, he got over-under, and he would control Kelvin Gastelum's ability to wrestle by pulling him up off of his waist. He kept his head positioning good. He put it right where Kelvin's head was, so that way Kelvin couldn't drop level on him. As soon, and then he would turn Kelvin just to give him a, just to give him a look. And then, when he felt like the time was right, he would switch the over-under grip to Kelvin's neck. the uh, The overhooks or the underhook side would then go to Kelvin's wrist on his either side, whatever the side of the other hook. And he would use that to escape as he as he used his overhook side to essentially like pull his head out. And uh, in lacrosse, it's like a swim move, right? You like pull your hand over and you like shove him behind you. He does that. Anytime he would, get, he would initiate the collision, sometimes he would initiate inside control. Liam Harrison style, immediate attack with an elbow. He would grab the inside, elbow. right? Then when it comes to striking, he set feints in order to pull Kelvin out of his shell. He fainted the feint. Paulo Costa is not doing any of that. Paulo Costa is a machine. He is a top contender, rightfully deserves the next title shot. He beat Yoel, but technically he's not on the same level. Paulo Costa is an athlete. Hell, he can be a competitor. He's two of the three. There's nothing wrong with that. But then you go against guys, and we'll get into Kelvin and – or we'll get into Whitaker and Till. Till's been fighting since he was a child in kickboxing. Lifelong martial artist. Israel, same exact thing. And then he went to glory, right? Martial artist. And I would even put Israel's also an athlete. He's athletically gifted as well. And then Robert Whitaker, longtime martial artist, still to this day competes in wrestling competitions in uh, Australia. Um, he he placed at the Commonwealth Games in Australia. On top of that, he started his career with, uh, I think, karate. They're martial artists. Paulo Costa was a power lifter before. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way life is. Quit being sensitive. And to go back to the Khabib thing, you can't hold up a whole division for being sensitive. These are fighters. At a certain point, you can't you can't play this game of favoritism with feelings. Play favoritism with money, Dana White, all day. I don't care. But favoritism with feelings, ugh, ugh. The last time we saw that was with Rhonda. Ugh, ugh. And then that what that what does that do? That opens the gates for these sensitive sobs to come in here and. No, you're hurting my, you're hurting, you're disrespecting my fighter's feelings. It's Dan Hardy. He's a fighter, and so are these other fighters. If they have a problem, if they've got a beef, they can deal with it. They don't need you to come in like an abused girlfriend trying to defend the cops off of your boyfriend who just beat you. Right? They don't need your help. They don't need it. All right. So uh, why don't we just go ahead and break down the fights because, oh, uh, shout out to JoJo Calderwood for stepping in on short notice to fight Jennifer May on August 1st, um, Scotland's own. Hold on, I'm going to drink my Harris Teeter coffee. Podcast sponsored by Harris Teeter. Just kidding. I wish. Wouldn't it be fucking great? For those that don't know, it's a grocery store. I would use it to get rotisserie chickens all the time. Oh, uh Giga, Giga uh Giga Jacase versus Alex Caceres, slated for August eighth. I love it. I love that fight. Uh kickboxing glory fighter. Kelvin Ga- uh, King's MMA fighter. Uh Giga uh versus Alex Caceres, who's always a who's always fun. Bruce Bruce Leroy Caceres, <clears throat> Who if you don't remember Alex Caceres just beat someone they beat someone like that had big he had big hopes chase hooper yeah and yeah chase hooper just didn't have he just didn't have the striking to deal with uh or like the experience to deal with Alex Caceres, who's been in there forever. And as we talked about it yesterday, uh, Brendan Moreno says that he's next for, um, he isn't, he's next for Figueiredo. And and then on top of that, what was the other? uh, Oh, the other thing. UFC posted and we went over it the other day, or yes, we went over it Monday. The the records of all the UFC fighters, it's like a total of a hundred and eighty something fights to ten losses or something like that. Something ridiculous. And they're like, numbers don't lie. Hey, cut ten of your top twenty people. Only keep top tens then. This is more of a reason, UFC. Fuck all those other people. I know you. I know you need fights. I know you need to feel, fill cards. But honestly, like, just put on the best ones, you know? Fuck it. Fuck it. Well, that's not a good. And then you just spread the wealth around. Daniel Cormier doesn't know if Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, Daniel Cormier doesn't know if Khabib Nurmagomedov will fight again following the death of his father. I think that's fucking crazy why would Khabib stop doing the thing he's done all his life and I understand his father is was like the rock to him but this is a grown man he's got children he's got a wife he's got a family he's got a business that would be like someone going man Jim's father was really good at at rocket science or chemical engineering, and in turn, Tom, his son got into it and t- t- uh, Jim was his mentor all his life. Tom, at the age of thirty, been in chemical engineering for 15 years of his life or more or less than that let's say 10 years of his life um, through college. Jim was there for him every step of the way giving him advice, being there, helping him, showing him since he was a child. And then at 32, Jim, like parents do, passes away. Tom, his son, just going to stop doing chemical engineering, even though he's got a family to take care of, even though he's got da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. No, he's a grown man. If you can't and I've, I said this in another podcast people need more family members to die like you shouldn't have grandparents we're just lucky we live in a time where we have grandparents Grandparents is a fucking ridiculous idea your parents' parents are alive we live in such a bubble that only here in the United or here in this century not in the United States everywhere have we raised the life expectancy to where it is and globally made it happen where not like 50 like 30 years ago, 50 years ago, we'll give it. We doubled life expectancy. And then we kind of just accept that's the way life is. Nah, son, nah. (laughs) Like before, like 60 years ago, it wasn't that. Life expectancy was like 40. (laughs) And the idea that you'd have a grandparent around, you'd be like, why do I need a grandparent? 'm I'm, I'm an adult already, and you're like ten. I'm already swinging, I'm already chopping wood. I'm twelve. you know, I can already build a house. I'm sixteen. I understand it it's sad it's it, uh, my father passed away when I was seventeen. It sucks, and I was in military school, and I just had to like walk out of the like the chief of staff's office. Right. After being on the phone with my mom and she tells me and I just had to like walk downstairs to a table with all my friends and just act like my dad didn't die because I had a duty to do. Obviously, obviously the people that were working like, you don't have to be down here. You can go upstairs. I just thought that things that kind of stuff happens. So you you just have to compartmentalize it and then move forward. Yeah, it sucks. Definitely cry. Definitely get it out. Purge yourself from the feelings of sadness and depression and all that kind of stuff. But it happens. You have to acknowledge that older people and and acknowledge in a in a grateful way that you had them, especially Khabib. He had him by his side all that dude's life. He took him. He showed him the world championship. He defended it for his father. Like his father died proud of his son. And and Died when his son is on top of the world, undefeated, untouchable. You got to understand that these moments are something that you can't just, like, they can't just be a pitfall. Your dad dies, you give up everything, and then you stop fighting. You stop fighting for him. For what? For what? what am I fighting for? You're fighting for him and then for your kids. If you have kids, your parents are not the number one thing in your life anymore you have children that you want to make proud and then in turn when you get to that age could khabib, khabib should be proud of himself and the fact that his father passed before him and not in a bad way but a parent should never have to bury their child and just in that fact it's not something that things should just stop in your life and take a complete exit and like never go back to it it's just soft mentality And I don't think that's the way Khabib's thinking. I think Khabib, you know, he comes from a a tough upbringing. I don't know if he got Americanized too much, but he will be okay. And he'll come back and he'll fight Gaethje. And there's a poll going out, does Khabib fight? Does Khabib and Gaethje fight this year? And a lot of people think he does. And I do too. I I, I think I accidentally put, I'm going to be 100% honest, I put I don't think they do, but I just didn't have the timing right. You know what I mean? Like... I thought 2021 was way closer than it was just because I want to get the fuck out of 2020. It's not. <laughs> it's actually pretty far. So I do think they fight this year. Um, and so that being said, I, I think that's what happens. I think he fights this year. It's a big moment for him, and it's against Gaethje. And, and man, and man, if you wanted Gaethje to be a fucking party crasher – Don't tune into that fight. (laughs) Uh, All right. So why don't we get into breaking down these fights? I'm going to take a step back and acknowledge that this is a... Yeah, see? 2020. Khabib's manager says he'll fight Justin Gaethje before the end of the year. There you go. Uh, I'm just going to take a step back and realize this is a pretty good fucking episode. Um, Okay. COVID-free Gilbert Burns. However, positive for herpes. Just kidding. JK. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not missing anything. I got it. I'm doing my work. Okay, so let's get into breaking down of the fights this weekend. We'll start in the main event because I just want to talk about it. And that's all I want to talk about. Robert Whitaker. Robert the Reaper Whitaker. Coming, up, coming back after pretty bad loss to um, Israel. Adesanya. O- October 5th, 2019. Not a year later, he's back. Long, it's a pretty good layoff, though. As far as getting his faculties back and letting his brain chill. Uh, Darren Till coming off a win from Kevin Gastelum uh, in November, right? Uh, very technical fight. I just watched it. I mean, I talked a little bit about it. Uh, just off of those, off of this fight, what I'm looking to see, and I was I was hesitant at first to be like, well, I don't want to watch this Kelvin fight because it's not really a representation of what the Robert Whittaker fight's going to look like. But it is kind of, because Kelvin does use the in-and-out motion. He's boxing heavy, where Robert's, like, kick-based and uses a lot of kick feints to set up his hands. And then Kelvin uses, obviously, more wrestling. But Robert has that tool, so I do see him trying... I do see him, like, attempting to use it. Because I feel as though Robert feels his chain wrestling is uh, superior to Darren Till's wrestling defense. Now, I've watched a little bit of Darren Till's training up into this fight. Obviously, they're not going to go through the whole entire game plan. But from what I saw in Darren Till's last fight is they do have a game plan now. They've now focused on game planning for fighters uh, because his game plan in his last fight went fantastic. So for Robert, I'm very curious to see what their game plan is, but they're working heavily on get-ups and wrestling defense, which makes sense because, like I said, Robert Whitaker plays at the Commonwealth Games in Australia. His wrestling is fantastic, even though we don't see it all the time. But at the same time, he was able to you know, stand toe-to-toe wrestling, not completely, You know, obviously punches and kicks were involved, but he survived the takedown attempts of Yoel, um, and Newell's not going to keep you there, but at least, you know, the, the shot and the, the explosive to just put you on your back, he survived that. So when I see these two guys fight, standing in front of each other, the in and out movement of Robert Whitaker, Darren Till is going to, have to play with that and trying to draw him out like he did with Kelvin and essentially kind of do what Israel did. Israel, however, as much as they're both faint fighters, Darren Till's more aggressive so Darren Till will step forward. And that's why I think this fight's a little bit more dangerous for Till than it was for Israel. Because Robert Whitaker does have that kind of motion that Jorge can that Jorge was, you know, caught him with. It's just like that awkward blitzing forward. Jorge's is that like shuffle step right hand. It's awkward, and so is Robert Whitaker's style. It's just fucking awkward. I don't know if that was just an off night from Darren Till, and that's what he was saying. He was drinking and everything like that before, and, you know, not taking it too seriously. So, with this fight, if he can just keep his eye on the prize and not fall for the. Fall for the feints, like the. The feints in the feet, the footwork feints of Robert Whittaker, not fall for the. That's essentially what he does, is Robert Whitaker traps you. He hits you with a hard shot with his left hook, forces you to go to the right, and then he jab-jab over or throws that, like, nice right kick off of the right hand. So he'll sting you with the right hand, then kick you with the right kick, and then sting you with the left hand. And Bobby Knuckles was his name. Darren Till just has to be smart, and he just has to play the game as the calculated striker. If anything, you're going to take a page out of Israel's book and maybe not because Darren Till uses a lot more footwork in that way and he likes the straight shots rather than those awkward shots that Israel can somehow generate power from. I think it was just taking advantage of Robert Whitaker's carelessness to come in and try to clip Israel. So we'll see what kind of Robert Whitaker we get. And that's kind of what this fight's going to be determined is – what kind of Robert Witter could we get? Because if we get the one that just blitzes forward, Darren Till's counter-striking is going to, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Anyone that comes forward at him, you're going to eat elbows, you're going to eat that straight left. And for Robert, it's about setting the traps right. Get Darren Till to start circling one way. You know, get him to fate, to, to bite on the switching of your steps to the punching, to the transition of punching. We've seen in the past Darren Till get caught by unorthodox shots. Robert Whittaker striking is the definition of unorthodox. Play to your advantage. That's where I thought he was going to have the advantage in the Israel fight. Israel is a lot more aware and creative to it. Darren Till, same thing, but it's just if his head's in the game. He can make it very technical and make it technical. I don't care if it's fucking boring. I don't. Listen, I'm just like him. And I told my friends this, and those two also, also echo the same thing. And he, if you can watch this thing on BET Sports. Darren Till said, I don't, my next fight, I don't want to hear anything. My next fight is going to be with Israel. Everyone wants that fight. If you're not foaming at the mouth for that fight, and Israel obviously has to get through Paula Costa, and just like Darren Till has to get through Robert Whitaker. But even if they don't get through it, they should just fight each other. The kickboxing technicality of that fight would be so awesome. And then they would test each other's wrestling. Oh. It would be like, you know how Rafael Feast he did that, like, this past weekend. He did the Matrix thing where he, like, moved out of the way. I mean, essentially, Israel does the same thing. It would just be like that. And then... At home, I'd be like, way, way, because they'd just be kicking each other and be like very tie, and it'd be awesome, and everyone would want it, and they don't know that they want it, and that's why these fighters are fighting these top contenders is because they want to make each other undisputable that they have to fight each other, and if you're not excited for that fight, uh, you're casual. You're definitely casual if you're not excited for that fight. If you're like, no, the Paula Costa fight is way cooler. No, dude. It's all about Paula Costa. You guys are fucking casuals. You guys don't know what martial arts is. You guys just know. You guys just want to see guys' bodies. Um, okay. So as far as let's go to the odds, I'm going to assume Robert Whitaker is the favorite because he's on the right side, on the left side. He's on the favorite side in the red corner. Well, it's kind of dead even. If I put twenty on him, I could shit. But if I put twenty on him, still shit. <laughs> it's like not a good fight to bet on. Um as far as fights to bet on, the this dude, Kazmatchiev, came in at a whopping twelve hundred favorite versus Reese McKee. That's probably fair. Uh Alexander Gustafson coming in the favorite against Fabrizio Verdum. Okay. um, And then this guy, Ramazan Emev, coming in as a heavy favorite, I'm assuming in the prelims. Yeah, in the prelims against Nikolai Stoltz. Hmm. Don't know anything about him. He's in the prelims. Okay, so let's break down a little bit of Mauricio versus Noguera. You know what, for fun's sake, how much more time I have? How much more time I have? I got 30 minutes. I'm good. Okay, let's, for fun, let's just watch. Oh, Oh, shit. Wait, they fought three times? Whoa whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, can I also mention how cool the name Shogun was? Shogun, like the fucking name that you give a Japanese warlord. Alright, I don't know if they're warlord, but. They're doing this again? Oh, they're doing it again, dude. Oh, man. So he's now 2 and 0. Oh. Why are they doing it again? Okay, let's watch the second one. Jesus. Yeah, of course he won that fight. I don't understand why I don't understand why the Noguer brothers are still fighting. I guess because they want to. I mean, it makes sense why Little Nog's fighting because he's Little Nog. But still, I mean, it doesn't make sense if they're just fighting, like, Shogun. Okay, so watching the first round, 15 seconds into it, Shogun's taking the center, throwing body kicks. Shogun's, uh, or Noguera's southpaw, which helps him punching but leaves him open with that body kick from... But it would help. It would help no if he threw the body kick. But just like I do, specifically in Muay Thai, if someone comes in Southpaw and they go and they want to do that open stance stuff, I throw my right kick. Um, I go offensive first with it. I make them keep their left hand up, and I attack the body first. Because if you want to play that game, that's cool. I know you have the organ uh, location uh like what's the word for it advantage Like, give the advantage if you kick me you're gonna hit my liver where if I kick you I'm not gonna hit your liver, but if I kick you hard enough uh it's still your open side so I personally with striking uh, only attack the effective areas so if you're open body um see that's a good n- move for Noguera Noguera needs to go in there faint for a clench and then just immediately start. Inside the pocket boxing. What's crazy is Noguera's physically bigger than Shogun. And Shogun, I don't know if actually, I have no idea. It might just be the way that the screen is looking. In the clinch, Noguera clearly stronger. But to be honest, nothing's going to change from this fight. If Shogun won the first one... Oh, actually... Okay, let's watch that fucking... Oh, okay, 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 okay. Oh, I paused it perfectly. All right, so what happens is Shogun center of the octagon a minute, 30 in. Shogun goes for... Punches, and obviously Noguera uses his footwork and his head movement to get out of the way, and he clips him with a left hand over the top. So as no- as Hua goes in for... Okay. Odd. Um, let's... As as Shogun goes in for a right hand to try to, since he's getting Noguera to come to his, or since he's getting Noguera to circle to his left side, um, as he does so, he leaves himself open and Noguera essentially just clips him on the back of the head. He takes a step back, jab cross to the back of the head. It stumbles... Shogun. Shogun goes backwards, and this is perfect. So now Noguera senses blood in the water, and he starts using his boxing. And he has him up against the cage, and he starts teeing off on him. He starts taking shots from Hua. I will say that. Hua tries to, or Shogun tries to engage in a clench, but Shogun's very dangerous against the cage. Uh, he'll he'll throw. So he's he's punching. He's trying to create those... Desperation shots, and he's stumbling, stumbling. 45 seconds to go. So Noguera goes for a knee. and Now I think he's tired. He seems exhausted. It seems like he punched himself out. Because he got pushed off pretty easily. He's jabbing. He's trying to come in. Shogun's holding on to him. Holding on to him. Noguera's got him in a clench. He's got a guillotine on him. Tries to snap him down. Noguera's... Black belt in jiu-jitsu as well. So the round ends. Nogera's is exhausted. Um. Beginning of the round. Shogun inside leg kick. Goes for a takedown. And Nogira doesn't do any attempt to stop it. Allows him to take him down. Probably wants a breather. But that takedown allows Shogun to just ground and pound for the rest of the round. Not for the whole entire round. but So he gets the takedown, and they're back up to their feet. Nogira's visibly fucking exhausted. Okay, so I've seen enough of this fight. From what I can tell is it's just about conditioning for these two. Nothing's going to change. They One punches, kicks, and the other one doesn't kick and throws punches. For me, Shogun just needs to stay on the outside and throw kicks and just kick and kick and kick. And then if Nogera gets close or tries to get close, then you throw punches. But for Noguera, I guess trying to take it to the ground, I don't know. It just seems like a, not a good fight for either of them. It's going to be pretty fucking crazy. One of them, they might just like go to decision. It might be boring as fuck. I don't want that. This is at 8. Oh, it's at 8 p.m. Okay, and then the heavyweight division, Fabricio Verdun, and we'll break this down and I'll call it a day, Uh, Fabricio Verdun versus Alexander Gustafson in heavyweight. I'm excited for this fight because I'd love to see, I'm excited to see Gus at heavyweight because it's, um, because you got to understand, it's John Jones and Fabricio, right? I want to see one of them we have a bit of a past okay this is what i wanted to look at because um, i want to what i want to look at in this fight specifically is i want to see gus's transition to heavyweight and john's going to keep an eye on this too because john and gus are neck and neck as far as like who they are they're each other's yin and yang literally the same person but black guy white guy sweden american uh heavyweight champ or light heavyweight champ, not light heavyweight champ. Uh very heavy on the kicking in John's department. Gus is very successful in the boxing. John's wrestling, Gus is anti-wrestling. Like they're each other's yin and yang, however you want to put it, and they and when they fight, except for last time, um first time so close, right? So John can use Gus as a template to see, okay, where's the success that Gus is gonna have? in heavyweight that I can exploit when I go to heavyweight being the better fighter. Whereas like if Gus suffers with the hands, it's going to be like, John's going to be like, okay, good. I can just use my kicks. They're not too, they're not too concerned about it. Heavyweights don't usually throw kicks. They're not too concerned about kicks. Uh, it would be a new look. Uh, let's say Gus gets taken down all the time or, uh, Gus doesn't get taken down and Gus actually does the taking down. John's gonna be like, I'm putting all these dudes on their head. It's just, like, those little things. Like, he can use Gus as, like, a, as, like, a, as a template or as, like, a, a skit, or what's the word for it? Um, no, not, I don't want to say that. Uh, he can use him as a, what's the word for it? As fodder, right? He can just throw him to the wolves at heavyweight, which, Verdeam's not really the wolf, but... Throw him to the wolves and then see how he does. I think uh, I think Gus is gonna do phenomenal. Especially from what we saw with the Volkov fight and Fabricio and where we saw Fabrizio in his last fight. I think we're getting a you know post Usada era and just not in the same mindset. It's definitely not the same Fabricio that beat Fedor or beat Kane like it's just not the same guy and Gus isn't necessarily not the same guy but his last fight he lost to Anthony Smith through submission so if we've seen anything um, but Anthony Smith just was hungry at the time it's all about headspace. I think Gus is in. I like this. I think it's just, like, fun. He doesn't have an idea. He doesn't, he doesn't want to go to the title. He knows that's not going to happen, so fuck it. Uh, I've sparred with... Okay, so this is what he said. So on, Gus weighs in on it. I sparred with Verdum actually 10 years ago. It was at Mark Muniz's gym in Los Angeles. He was champion then, and he was fit. It was a strong version of Verdum, and I had a fight two weeks after, and we went at it hard. I'd say that I won that sparring. So, yeah, we have a bit of a past. I think cuz of the hands. Yeah, he came in with knees to the head. We both want we both want all in. It was a good sparring. I won that sparring. It was kind of fun. yeah but hm thought I thought Fabricio was talking shit i mean i I think that's just what we know i I think we know that Gus's hands are just better and I think the youth of Gustafson is gonna help him and now that he's fighting for for fun and not fighting for a title and not having the stress of like, Ugh, I gotta win this. I gotta win this so I can win the title. Ugh, hope I don't lose. He's a co main event. Right, he hasn't been a co main event in a while. He's just chilling, He's just or he's not even a co main event. He's third fight on the fight on the card. He's just chilling now. And I love it. I think we're going to see a renewed gus, especially the move to heavyweight. It's the way that you want to see it. You see all these fighters going down and weight, going down and weight, going down and weight. Nah, it's not about that. Go up, revitalize your career, career. and uh, for Verdum, he's got to do something that's different than the Olianek fight because if you're getting TKO'd or, no, decisioned by Alexander or Alexi Olianek the way he did, and then he allowed the way that Volkov teed him up, It's going to be a long night. And to be honest, as far as quality of fighter, he's only lost to, like, Alexander Gustafson, quality of fighter, until you talk about, like, 2015 for Doom. (laughs) Which is a different kind of for Doom. All right. Well, that's all I got. I hope you guys enjoyed these breakdowns. I'll be back soon. Monday, Sunday, to break down the f- the fight card, what happened this past weekend. Uh, if you guys want more information, if you guys want to see anything more, go to southernscrapnation.com. Go to our iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, or all other listening apps and devices, app, uh, podcast app, wherever you listen to it, Southern Scrap Nation. And then if you want everything just in total, southernscrapnation.com, you can go to our instagram facebook all of our social media it's there it's around i'm around so i hope you guys enjoyed this breakdown and some of the breakdown of the news in mma world uh until monday next week or sunday depends on how i feel uh stay safe enjoy the fights peace